eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Let's start off with some coaching carousel news, Bax, and we'll get into the college football playoff and the matchup with Clemson, what we think about that. But, yeah, let's start with the coaching carousel. Jeff Halfley, as of you know, as little as maybe a day or two ago, looked like you know he was destined for Boston College. Sounded like they were going to offer him, and, and he was very interested, and he would accept now, again, this is nothing that's certain at this point, but it does seem to be trending back that Halfley will stay at Ohio State. Again, uh, you know, we'll keep you updated on that, listeners, but uh, it seems to be changing day by day. But right now, it sounds like we have the Boston College site. They're saying, you know, their insiders are saying they're guessing Halfley will not be the coach. It's still unclear if he was offered the job and turned it down or what might have happened, but we'll find out, man. But that would be huge backs if Ohio State hangs on to Jeff Halfley. Yeah, a huge would be understated. Uh, the guy amazing year, 24-7 sports, just named him the defensive coordinator of the year. The guy's a, a star-level coach, and we all know that, but you'd like to try to get a second year out of him. And, you know, I, I think in the end, OSU certainly is due to give him a very big raise. But I'm also happy for Halfley if he doesn't take this job. The truth is, if he waits around another year and has another good year coaching defense the way we all expect him to, he's going to have a lot better opportunities than Boston College. And why do I say Boston College isn't a good opportunity? It's a Power 5 job, right? Well, a couple things. First, the last 10 years, they haven't even won eight games in a season one time. Second, Massachusetts and New England in general do not have a lot of of D1 Power 5 level recruits available locally. He has to go and travel and try to beat out other teams in other areas for, for some of these top kids. And three, let's just face it. It seems like that any job Halfley takes here, is going to be somewhat of a stepping stone kind of role. Well, why wouldn't he stay at OSU where he can just keep dominating as a defensive coordinator and eventually perhaps he could pull something like a Kirby Smart and step into a much better job? You don't know what jobs are going to open next year, right? Uh, let's, let's face it, what if D'Antonio retires next year? Michigan State, everybody's talking about Luke Fickle. Would Halfley look into that one? I'd have to think they'd look at him. There's a lot of jobs out there that are frankly better jobs in Boston College, and I think it would behoove Halfley personally to be patient. It's not like it's, you know, USC and nobody would blame him. The truth or the truth is, 
I think he can flat out do better in Boston College. So this is a win-win for everybody if he stays. Yeah, I would love to have him back for another year, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'd be again. You said it very well. I'd be happy for him. I mean, if he is making a ton of money, even if it's a, a tough job, it, it'd be tough to win at Boston College, regardless. The fact that it's in Clemson's division, and you know, Florida State could be on the uptick with Mike Norville going there. We'll see what happens, but I hope uh, selfishly that Jeff Halfley sticks around. And then I agree with you. I think long term it would work out for him personally too, because I think you know he's his stock's not going to go down. This guy's the real deal, and, and if he remains. At Ohio State another year. His, his name will just continue to pick up steam, and I think a better Power 5 job will open up for him. I completely agree with you, Bax. Um, also on the coaching carousel as it pertains to Ohio State, Kevin Wilson's name has now been floated uh, as a strong possibility to be the uh, Colorado State head coach. Of course, Kevin Wilson currently the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, even though Ryan Day really is the offensive coordinator. It still just shakes my head. I mean, you and I were both on the, you know, when Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day were hired, I remember saying, hey, I like this Ryan Day. I didn't know anything about him, but his resume looks really nice. I like that he has an NFL experience and college coordinator experience. It's, it's a nice quarterback coach uh, that they're getting, but we were all focused on Kevin Wilson. They're hired at the exact same time. It's very interesting how it worked out, how it was really Ryan Day was the superstar coming in. Uh, Butch Jones, though, I wonder back about this Colorado State thing. It, it sounded like Butch Jones, the Colorado Colorado State was a done deal, and then something happened there. I wonder if this is a negotiating ploy by Colorado State. I don't know. I hope the Buckeyes get a chance to uh, keep Kevin Wilson, but uh, we'll see. I don't think that would be a catastrophic loss by any means if they lost him, but I still want to keep Kevin Wilson around. Just your thoughts on the Kevin Wilson situation with him looking at Colorado State. Well, your boy Ron has done a great job for us, that's for sure. I mean, as the founding members of the Kevin Wilson bandwagon, the moment we found out what happened with Indiana, uh, I think – it's worked out successfully for all parties involved. And we knew the moment that he came here, his job was to put his head down, recruit well, put together some very strong offensive performances, and in a couple years he'd have the opportunity to go back out and be someone else's head coach. Uh, I, I also think the fact that Urban Meyer is helping Colorado State gives Kevin Wilson an extra bit of a leg up because Urban Meyer can personally vouch for everything that went on in that situation to the Colorado State administrators. I don't want to lose him. I still think Butch Jones is going to be the guy. But at the end of the day, Kevin Wilson's time at OSU has essentially done what he wanted to do, right? Came here, rejuvenated the offense, uh, won a lot of games, rebuilt his reputation so that the whole Indiana quote-unquote abuse thing went away. And, I, I, I mean, if he moves on, it's, 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 uh, it's a little different than it is with Halfley because I think Wilson's a guy who – was the coordinator whenever he got here, and it quickly became obvious that Ryan Day needed more and more and more opportunities. And so with Ryan Day, Mike Gertrich, and all that group now, Kevin Wilson's kind of third fiddle. So I don't blame him one bit if he wants to move on to a, 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 a coaching job somewhere where he could be a head coach again. You know, I, I'm not saying he's unhappy at OSU, but that's the way it goes is that, you know, he's, he's done what he wanted to do here. And, you know, hey, if he sticks around another year, I'm sure he'll do a great job and the team will continue to do well and it'll only help his resume further. But, you know, I think if Colorado State offers, I think Kevin Wilson jumps on it. Let's not forget, he spent some time out in Oklahoma as an offensive coordinator for years. He's not unfamiliar with the Rocky Mountains. And, you know, if he wants to be a head coach again, this is the profile of the job he's going to end up taking. So, you know, it, it's, it's another thing worth watching. But here's the truth. When you're an elite program doing elite program things, People are going to want to steal your coaches, plain and simple. Whether it's coordinators, whether it's people in other jobs trying to steal them away, 
I mean, look what happened to Ryan Day, right? Ryan Day was was tried to be stolen by the Tennessee Titans at one point as offensive coordinator. Ryan Day turned down what we believe is the Mississippi State job to be a head coach. Uh, it was a job that went to Joe Moorhead. And now look how that worked out for him, right? So, you know, much <laughs> you think he's happy about that? that? You think he- you think he's happy he turned the Mississippi State job down so he could stay at so he could stay at Ohio State and now now be at Ohio State? You you really think he's happy about that, Bax? I think that works out as a pretty good career choice for him. Uh, <laughs> and needless to say, Jeff Hathley either, who's in the position of, uh, well, I went to Boston College. Crap, I could be the head coach at Nebraska or something. You know what I mean? So uh, I I think that there's two different games here. When you're talking about guys in their early 40s like Hathley and Day who are just skyrocketing coaching superstars, and a guy like Kevin Wilson who's on the back half of his career, who's got a lot to give still, uh, but the kind of job he's looking for, I, I don't know if he's ever going to get a Power 5 job again as a head coach, but something like a Mountain West job certainly could be his to have. Bax, you're already firing Scott Frost after two years. Not yet. I think I mean, that's just an example. I, I don't think I they're going to fire him after two <laughs> years. <laughs> I know. I'm just giving you... Uh... Some stuff there. We'll keep it uh, kid-friendly. <laughs> hey, let's switch gears. First time you and I have talked since the seeding came out. Did Ohio State get screwed, in your opinion, by getting the two seed? I think the committee made the wrong choice. I can't say screwed because it's two pretty good resumes. And really, you have three undefeated Power 5 champions at this point that are 13-0. and 0. You know, uh, Imagine the controversy if we had the BCS this year. So I can't say screwed, but I do think that the committee – is influenced by their vocations, if you will. Uh, so the way that this thing works is, is that when you have these round of votes, people whose teams are involved have to walk away. Well, during the first round in the voting, you had to have the Oregon athletic director out of the room, the Oklahoma athletic director out of the room. There was multiple people who had conflicts of interest. So you took a, a national committee, and the first round of votes became a more southern round of votes because those guys were out of the uh, room. And... I don't think that's a coincidence that Ohio State dropped in the last week despite winning their championship game against a top-10 team by two touchdowns uh, and finishing on a 27-0 run. You know, I really – my biggest surprise is that I thought the committee very clearly wanted OSU to be their number one team. After they jumped them past LSU at the Penn State game, to me it seemed pretty clear. I also think resume-wise, OSU has the better resume. They have more ranked wins. They have four wins over top 15 or whatever teams. Uh, you know, the Alabama and Auburn wins don't look so fancy now when they're both in the teens. Uh, Ohio State is a much better defensive football team than LSU. Ohio State's non-conference schedule, which I'm shocked nobody mentioned this at all, it felt like. Their three non-conference games were against the MAC champion, the Conference USA champion, and the runner-up in the AAC. Like, that says something about the, the – the quality of their schedule. So I'm not surprised per se, but I'm a little disappointed that they made LSU number one when I think everybody in the country who's looking at these, these, these top three teams thinks that Ohio State's the most complete team on both sides of the ball, and then everybody's looking at Clemson like they used to look at Miami back in the day of, well, they aren't really playing anybody, but they're going to drill everybody they play. So they're probably pretty damn good. Uh, LSU is a nice story but I continue to compare them to last year's Ohio State team. They have an amazing quarterback. They have a fleet of great receivers. They have a defense that has been generally performing below expectations, 
and their running game isn't as good as it could be. And I, I just get the feeling that Clemson and OSU are probably the two best teams. So it's kind of a shame that they have to play each other in the first round. Yeah, um, you know what, though? This is a chance to exercise some serious demons, as I keep pointing out. I mean, Clemson, to say Ohio State owes Clemson is a major understatement. Woody Hayes never coached again after that game against Clemson, and it was Woody Hayes' own fault, but he never coached again. Braxton Miller never played the position of quarterback ever again after that Orange Bowl game when Dick Beasley destroyed his shoulder. Braxton somehow finished that game and was still throwing the ball with a destroyed right shoulder. You know, fractured labrum that he then you know, re-injured, of course, in uh, you know, training camp the following season. And the 31-0, you know, just absolute embarrassment. The biggest embarrassment of Urban Meyer's career when you consider the stage that it was on and just how shocking it was. It did lead to him revamping the offensive staff, thank God, and bringing in Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. But my God, Ohio State owes Clemson. Talk about that a little bit. And beyond that, just your thoughts on the matchup itself. Uh, you know, Clemson's barely favored, but just your—you spoke about it a little bit already. But you're just just your thoughts on Ohio State getting a chance to maybe exercise some demons and the matchup itself against the Tigers this year. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack with Clemson because you haven't even gotten into the whole Jackson Carmen thing or Dabo saying that you know Urban's going to re- retire two years before he actually did and trying to recruit against us like that. And in the end, you know they they played Clemson twice in major bowl games in the Meyer era. Once was that infamous Orange Bowl where Braxton got hurt and the Buckeyes looked like they were about to pull away in the game and Philly Brown dropped the punt and that changed the whole course of the game. And, uh, you know, that one sucked a lot because that was the second straight loss after getting upset in the Big Ten Championship by Michigan State. You know, they, they couldn't defend the bubble screen against Sammy Watkins and Von Bell played his first game as a starter when we all were screaming, where was he the whole year? So, you know, that that one stunk. And obviously 31 nothing is a... Uh, a game that went down in infamy. That's that's a game that to this day is still unacceptable. It's the crowning failure of the Beck Warner era. Uh, it was the game that, for many people, confirmed the uh, the limitations of the offense that was being run uh, with a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball particularly strong. And candidly, that's the worst Ohio State football game since the Florida game in 2006. So there's all that. And then, furthermore, Clemson comes into Ohio. Steals Jackson Carmen and uh, you know makes it out like Ohio State is uh, is going to fall off a cliff because they're you know Urban's supposed to be retiring right away and or whatever and I mean yes he ended up doing that which I guess ended up being somewhat true but when you use somebody who's about to retire in negative recruiting that 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 pokes at a scab so in short this is the only program during the Meyer era that Ohio State has not properly exacted vengeance and or domination upon. So there's there's a lot to go here. Furthermore, when you saw Clemson announcing they were playing Ohio State, it seemed like they were happy. I don't know if that's a disrespect thing or if they just think, yeah, we whooped them twice, we don't care. I see this as uh, something that Ohio State is going to take on as a very serious challenge head on. And in the end, this is a game that if you're Ohio State and you win this game and then you beat LSU, you've literally gone through the most difficult path plausible to win a national championship so uh, i think there's certainly a lot of opportunity there for osu finishing with three top 10 teams and beating two top four teams to finish the season but the game itself is going to be real interesting because they're a good football team i don't know if they're as good as they were last year uh they don't have that you know cornucopia first round first round defensive lineman 
They have one very, very good linebacker, but the rest of their linebackers are playing at a level less than last year. They have a really good passing game. Trevor Lawrence is obviously a big deal at quarterback. Uh, you know, Etienne is one of the best running backs in the country. I think he's averaging eight yards a carry or something idiotic. But on the flip side, who's the best team they've played this year? Virginia? Like, if they were in the Big Ten, they'd be like Indiana. Like, I, that's the problem is Clemson's dummying teams like they should be dummying teams when they're that much better than most of these teams. But I have no idea how Clemson's going to respond to an OSU team that's coming off of a gauntlet and then healing up against high-level competition. Uh, I'm expecting this to be a fairly tight game. But I do think that there's something to be said about a Clemson team that hasn't played a legit opponent since Alabama last January. Or January. So I, I just... I think that's going to be one of the big interesting parts of this is is that Clemson's obviously good enough to play with Ohio State. Ohio State's obviously good enough to play with Clemson. Who comes out ready to go? Because it reminds me a lot, and I don't want to make this comparison because it's a lazy comparison, of, 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 but the Florida State team from 2014 against Oregon, right? You thought it was going to be close, and the truth is Florida State had – not really played anybody great that year outside of maybe Louisville, and Oregon came out and shocked them with their speed, and they just weren't ready for it. Now that Florida State team struggled throughout the season with a, a, a weak ACC. They didn't run riot on the ACC like Clemson has. But it'll be interesting to see because, it's again, it's the first time Clemson's had to play at this level in a year. And, you, you know, you don't know if it's going to take them a quarter or two to wake up, and that might be enough for OSU to have the difference. I think another thing that's going to be critical here is, is that if you're Ohio State, you establish the run, and you establish it early because, again, Clemson's defense is very good, but they're not the same talent level that they were last year, particularly up front. If you can run the ball on these guys, you're going to have success. And after, having watched that Virginia game, where Virginia had like almost 400 yards of offense on Clemson, the first two drops the Waltz down the field, there's going to be opportunities for OSU to score a lot of points in this game. So, I think the real interesting thing for me is going to be to see how Clemson reacts against uh, an Ohio State team that is light years ahead of anybody they face this season. Yeah, you touched on this a little bit. I don't think Clemson respects Ohio State at all. I think Clemson, including their fans or players, coaches, look at Ohio State as Ohio State looks at, let's say, Notre Dame. Where, yeah, they're a good program and everything, but all we do is beat that ass. You know, that's, that is, that is, that's how they look at Ohio State. There's no doubt about it. And their players, maybe this time, will say the right things, unlike last time before the game saying JT Barrett can't throw. And they weren't lying. Um, I might say players. It was one DB. But, man, he was, he was outspoken before the game last time, before the 31 nothing that they, you know, their quarterback's not very good. They can't throw the ball. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, he he's was actually right about that. Yeah, I, I get the feeling, you know, not just to get the feeling, I have no doubt at all that Clemson has no respect for Ohio State as far as Ohio State being able to beat them. And backs, I'm a big believer in the mental side of sports. I think that helps Ohio State a lot going into this game. They're not just an underdog in Vegas, slight underdog, but just this disrespect from Clemson. If you and I know about it, Ryan Day and the players absolutely know about it. And I think it doesn't mean that it's going to lead Ohio State to victory, but I think it's another thing that – Definitely another thing that makes me feel good about this matchup is I think Clemson has no respect for Ohio State, and Ohio State's going to come in there ready for blood. And uh, I, I like that Ohio State has that underdog kind of feel going into this game. Yeah, and that's another thing we have to remember. 
Remember how Irvin was as an underdog? Like, I think he was undefeated or something like that. Um, yeah, at Ohio State, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. When you're a team of OSU's caliber, you've gotten to the point of, you know, it's not a good week unless you win by two or three touchdowns, right? Like, that's been kind of how the season's gone, where we're like, yeah, they kind of struggled with Penn State. I mean, they beat a top-10 team by 11 points. Like, you know, during the Trestle era, that would have been cause for celebration that we won a game by 11 points against anyone, you know? And now we're, like, complaining that that wasn't good enough. So if you're OSU, you're used to holding yourself to a standard of, did I dominate the living bejesus out of this team? Now people are saying that you might actually lose the game. In fact, a lot of people are advocating that you will lose the game. And you have all this video of the other team celebrating that they're playing you. And all the things Davo Swinney has said in the past about Ohio State, saying, oh, we put on the film and the boys are real excited. I mean, that stuff's going to be used. They'll say whatever you want in public. Ryan Day worked for a master motivator, the, the, the master's in psychology degree himself, Urban Meyer. And you think that Urban doesn't want the Buckeyes to win this game, by the way? He is going to do anything he can to help Ryan Day get these guys ready. I have no doubt that on the, the Woody for the next couple weeks, it's going to be on loop, Clemson scoring on Ohio State, Dabo Swinney trash-talking Ohio State. And the truth is, I think Clemson really is pretty full of themselves. You want the one thing that seems to me to be a real clear edge beyond X's and O's? Clemson thinks they're going to beat the crap out of OSU. They treat us like we treat uh, other programs that are good but not great. But the difference between an Ohio State and, let's say, a Notre Dame who you compared it to is we actually have the athletes. This isn't like, you know, like, like Ohio State and Michigan where they can beat most teams, but when you play a legit team, you get smoked. This is Ohio State. Ohio State's damn good this year. They might be the best Buckeye team we've ever had. And I, I think the nation needs a little reminder of the fact that during the college football playoffs, not two teams, but three teams have won championships. And that third team, of course, being the Buckeyes, who beat Alabama on the way through. And by the way, we still haven't had our chance to get back at them again. But maybe we look at Alabama a little bit now, like Clemson looks at OSU. Of, well, last time we beat you, we, we played you, we beat you. And it wasn't as close as the score indicated. So there's a, cer there's a certain edge for OSU. And with a longer time off, oftentimes you have this dichotomy and who's really ready to go up top in their head. And you see it a lot in the lesser bowl games, but we've seen it in big bowl games too. So if Clemson comes out thinking, we're awesome, we're going to smoke them, let's do our job, and they get punched in the mouth, I don't know how they're going to react. Because, again, that, that, that difference in speed of the opposition – that difference in caliber of talent they're facing, combined with the fact that they just, I agree with you, they don't respect Ohio State. That could be a real big edge for the Buckeyes. Great insights, as always, from the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. Also on Bucknuts, make sure you keep it locked to our site all through the day for the coaching carousel news regarding Jeff Halfley and Kevin Wilson. These things move fast, so... Uh, we will keep you updated on Bucknuts.com throughout the day. Hopefully the Buckeyes will hold on to their assistant coaches. But, uh, again, we will keep you updated. Thanks again to Bax, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 